The Old Testament reading today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 3 and 6 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For to us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, the New Testament reading today comes from the book of Luke. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I trust you can hear me. I will um, put my clock here. This means absolutely nothing. But I will put it there in case I, um, so I know when to stop. Uh, my wife, Lois, who's seated up here on my left, and I am very happy, we are very, very pleased to be with you and to serve as your interim pastor for these coming months. And we look forward to meeting each of you and to getting to know you, your story, where you are in your life, and especially how God has been working in you. That is always a blessing. And we also look forward to what God will do with us as a church, corporately, but also within us each individually. And um, so today, I want to, this week and next week, look again at these verses of Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to look at them and see what God has today promised about Christmas. And then next week we want to look at those four names that God uses to introduce himself. Isn't that an amazing fact? 
that God so desires us to know Him that He makes it possible for us through various means, but through the Bible, He introduces Himself again and again. He says, I am, and I am, and I am, that we get to know Him as He is. As a matter of fact, in the book of, in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament, in the original language, the title is actually the book of names. Because there is one name after another as God introduces him. I am the God who provides. I am the God Jehovah. I am the God Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who does this and that. And as we look at Christmas, next week we'll want to look at those names. But this week we want to look at what promises did God make and give to us regarding Christmas. And one of the reasons I am excited about this, and I am very thankful, whoever has placed the tree here in the front and the lovely uh, manger or scene there, it's very beautiful. But when we, many years ago, lived in Austria in Vienna for several years, when we were first there, Christmas trees were not quite as beautiful with multicolored bulbs as this, with lights and other things. But one tended to see at that time a green tree and red glass bulbs. Green and red. And at first I thought, well, that's a little different than my family did it in America, but that's fine. And it wasn't until later I asked someone, does that have any meaning? Green with just red? And actually a person said, well, I think that did mean something back then. And so actually I googled it. And it says, yes, the tradition is that the green, of course, is the living tree. But the red, back when, they thought represented an apple. Which took them all the way back, of course, the Garden of Eden. We don't know what kind of fruit was there. I'm not saying it was apple. But the idea was, back a long time ago, what they wanted you to associate with Christmas and the Christmas tree was what happened when Adam and Eve sinned and God came and dealt with that. God's answer to that is Christmas. And so let's just look at what it says here. You see, because Christmas is a special event. Let me tell you uh, a word that really encouraged me deeply in the Bible from Hebrews chapter 1. When I consider Christmas, I find this helpful. It says, a long time ago, and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So, this whole Bible is filled where, where God has been speaking to us through prophets. But then he said, <clears throat> goes on and it continues and says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by or in his son. And actually in the original it just says, he has spoken to us son. You see, before he spoke through the prophets, and we're going to read those verses, what Isaiah said. But at Christmas, it's as if there were not enough words 
for God to say what he wanted to say. And when words were no longer enough. Have you ever been in that situation of life? When you deeply wanted to express something. And there were not enough words to say what you wanted to say. The Bible tells us at that moment. God the Father sent and in that way spoke through Jesus Christ. That we might see and we might understand what he is sharing with us and what he wants us to know. Well, what, is, what are the main promises in Isaiah chapter 9? The first verses we read, verses 2 and 3, contain a promise. And basically in these verses I find two promises of God. The first promise is that Christmas is going to be all about light coming into darkness. And the second promise is all going to be about God giving you and me a gift. Light and a gift. Now, let's see what it says. And it says here in verse 2, The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness... On them the light has shone. You see, in that time when Jesus came, it was a dark time. And I don't know about you, but I found 2021 not to be simple. Somewhat difficult, actually. And I found many of my friends who have bits of anxiety. Not really knowing what one should, what one shouldn't do. How do I react to this? How do I trust God in the midst of this? How am I a Christian within the society that God has placed me? Trusting God and yet doing all of my things that I should. You know, in these days, and it's a very important thing that we also think about, what does it mean for the light of God to come into this setting? In 2021, I think that we have found that life is incredibly Fragile. And we need to be aware of what God is doing and how God is working. But the result, think about the result of light coming into darkness. One of the things in the last church we were at, it was in a smaller town, nothing large and gorgeous like you live in Zurich. It had its, of course, benefits. But as we look and as we lived there, very frequently we would, I would walk downtown and I remember one day coming into the post office, and as I was in the post office, a man started to pass me, and then all of a sudden he said, oh, aren't you the pastor of that church up on the hill? And I said, oh, yes, I am. And uh, he introduced himself. He happened to be the father of one of the ladies who went to our church, and she and her husband. And then he said, oh, yes, it's really good. That's good, and that's good. And then he said something like this, and he said, before, they were like this. And now they are like this. And I remember, you see, light of God had come into their lives. And even the father who was not a believing person could see that they had been here. And now with the light of God had changed them in God saving and living in them and changing them from the inside out. Now they were different. I remember doing a funeral for a dear friend who was one of the greatest guitarists I had ever listened to. 
And at the funeral, we had a time when people could share a good memory. And I remember the man standing up and saying, I knew this man before. And he was like this. And then he came to church and he found God. And he said, I don't understand everything about God. But what I do understand, he was like this. And after that, he's like this. The light has come. You see, and it changes us. You see, chapter 2 of Luke, which we read, contains the historical happening. There was a day when this prophecy that Isaiah said will happen, it did. He came. And he, he did that. But I want to read to you also from John chapter 1, where it talks to us not only about the physical happening, but what spiritually happened that day. It says, in the beginning, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now listen carefully, verse 4. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then the writer takes us right back to Isaiah when he says, And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. So what, physically, Jesus came, as we see this depiction here, and he was born, God coming in the person of Jesus Christ. That was the physical, historical event. But what happened spiritually was the very life of God came in that light. And that light came into a dark world. And that light, through his working, comes into our lives. Now, you say, well, that's nice. But you see, it goes even further, doesn't it? In the Gospel of John, Jesus himself will say, I am the light of the world. He says it twice. In chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. And then he refers back in his next comment to Isaiah. And he says, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will walk in the light of God. Wow. And the context of that is that there has just been a lady caught in adultery who the Pharisees, the religious people, have brought to Jesus, and they are testing him to see, will he condemn her? And then they can get after him because of his lack of character and forgiveness. Or will he say it doesn't matter, and then they can get after him because he has not obeyed the law of Moses. And you remember the account where it says he stooped over and he wrote in the dirt. I like in some of the German translations... They said, and then as he was writing, the older men left first. Those old geezers like me. We were the first to go. Why? I don't know what he wrote. We do not know. It does not tell us expressly. But somehow God began to convict them. And when you have lived longer, you realize there are many, many more things that we need God to put in shape in our life. But then... It's an amazing thing. You see, this one who's the light, the, love of, or the life of God, the light of the world, he says to the woman, after everyone is gone. Actually, and the fact is, you had the woman, 
caught. And you had the only person who ever lived on the face of the earth who had never sinned. Jesus had fulfilled his own requirement. He was the only person there worthy to pick up the stone and begin the process. But what did he say to her? Woman, where are those who have condemned you? She said, Lord, they're all gone. And he turned to her and said, I do not condemn you either, but go and sin no more. You see, he didn't come at that point to condemn, but he didn't sweep the sin under the rug. He identified that as sin. And he said to her, now go, change what you were before. You shall not be what you, in the future, what we are before. And when the light of God comes to us, we change. And then he says to his disciples, and he who would follow me does not walk in darkness, but walks in light. Then he goes on in the next chapter, he says it again. He says, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I am, in, I am the light of the world. And then he encourages his disciples, let us work the works of him who sent us. As long as it is light before the darkness comes when no man can work. And the very context of that is Jesus has just healed a man who was blind from birth. And as his disciples see this man who's blind and they don't know why he is blind, they are concerned. They said, is that because of something he has done or his parents have done? Why? The great question of why. In our present day world, we'd say that doesn't sound fair, does it? And of course, what happened is Jesus must remember, this man had not the capacity to see. He had never seen for one moment from birth. Somehow his eyes were not functioning. They were incapable of seeing. And the way Jesus handles that is he says, this is for the glory of God. He spits into the dirt. He makes a mud out of that. And Jesus, who it says, was there at creation and created took the same substance from which in the beginning of the Bible he had formed Adam, the dust of the earth, and then breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul forever. The same God takes the same substance and he creates. And the man washes and comes and sees. Why is that important? Because the light of the world this light who is coming into darkness at the time we call Christmas. He not only changes us from what we were to what we now will become in Him. And sometimes we look at life, and life I have found at best is messy. There are so many things in life that sometimes seem a bit beyond us, and we don't know exactly how we can do. At that moment, we need to realize and remember that this light of the world is one who could take a man who was blind, could not see, and do the work to make it possible. And I don't know what you're facing in 2021, but I could imagine that each one of us need a God who's capable of taking our lives and those things which we do not see how they are going to work, he controlling and leading and using and working in that manner. You see, the first promise of Christmas from God is there will be light coming. And just before we go to the second point, may I ask you a question? 
in your life in December of 2021? Have you experienced the light of God coming into you? The very life. It makes life totally different, doesn't it? So the first thing that God has promised is light. Then the second thing he says, as, you read, as we start to read verse 9, is that there is a gift. It's going to be a child is born, a son is given to you. Now you think about that being a gift. And a gift, it says, unto us at the beginning of verse, uh, excuse me, 6. It says, unto us. In other words, this is going to be a personal gift. To you, to me. God is going to be giving something very specific. And as you think about a gift, and we think at Christmas time, we think about giving, don't we? I remember when our family, we had four children, and as they were growing up, we said, well, the Austrians open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve, the Americans open them on Christmas morning, and some other countries don't open them until Boxing Day. Which day would you like to open your Christmas presents? Do you know, once in our family, we had a unanimous vote. Christmas Eve, as soon as possible. And I used to think the reason we give presents is because the story of the birth of Jesus and eventually these kings or these rulers come and they give gifts. But actually the prophet Isaiah tells us the great gift of Christmas is God giving Jesus to you and me. That's the great gift of Christmas. That is what Christmas is all about. Now, when a person receives a gift, a gift tells us a lot about the one who has given it, doesn't it? They know us. Maybe they get us socks because they know we need them. Or maybe they give us something that we've been dreaming about or we know we want. It tells us a lot about the giver. What does the gift at Christmas that God gave to us, Jesus, what does it tell us about him? In John 3.16, a verse that probably most of you have memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He didn't send him into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Again and again, the same idea. God gives with the purpose of working in our heart and life. You know, the great other thing about a present, so the first thing about Christmas, it's light of God coming. But the second thing is it is a present from God to you and me. Now, if my wife at Christmas time gave me a present, and it was wrapped in whatever color and with a bow, and it was underneath the Christmas tree. And we got to Christmas Eve, and I just said, da, 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 let's listen to a concert. And she said, what about the present? And I said, well, tomorrow is Christmas. How about tomorrow? And we get to tomorrow, and I said, oh, no, let's have the meal. Let's have breakfast. Let's have coffee. And all of a sudden, I started putting off opening the present. What do you think my dear wife would think? 
You see, a present can be given. But a present must be received. Must be taken. Must be opened. Must be taken to ourselves. How many of us, God has offered the gift of His Son. But we must actually receive Him. That's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. He came unto His own, but His own did not receive Him. But to as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become sons of God. You see, Christmas is fact. It is a historical event. And there is all this incredible spiritual truth that comes with it. But unless we receive it, unless we bow before Him and we open the door of our heart and our soul and allow God to come and give forgiveness and cleansing and put Himself in His presence. Remember how Jesus prays in John chapter 17, Oh Father, You are in me and I am in You and we are in them. That's what God wants to do. God in us. And then the result of that will be is what we were before will not be what we become because God is living and working in us. Well, have you actually taken the gift that God has given at Christmas? Because he says that is life. And as many as received him, to, him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. That we know we have that relationship with God in our hearts and in our lives. You know, Christmas is an amazing time. And I'm thankful we are coming to it. But let's just stop. And could you this week as you go home, maybe take a moment over a cup of tea or coffee or whatever, and could you just write down, here are moments in my life when I have seen the light of God begin to show me things, begin to teach me. You know, sometimes I find the light of God, it's like God coming into our home and into our life. I find the light of God works very much like children who come home to your house. You know, friends and neighbors come, and if you invite them in, they will use the kitchen, they will use the, maybe where you eat at a table, and should they need the bathroom, they will use that. But when your family comes home, they go to the bedrooms, they check out the closet, they see if mom has put up the painting they painted in the sixth grade and where it is and what it is doing. The difference is they are family, the others are friends. God has invited us into his family and the way the light of God works, very frequently you'll find God knocking on the door of our heart and life. Maybe in areas where we need the healing, the forgiveness, the working of God. Some of those things may be painful, and we may have even hung a no trespassing sign on the doorknob, but we will hear the Spirit of God knocking, and the light of God wanting to come in, not to condemn us, but to free us and forgive us, and to move in strength, that we would have the life, the light of God within us. That's Christmas. And that is what God has promised to give us. So my prayer for you is that this Christmas you will experience the light of God and you will know the gift of God in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come. And as we finish our time this morning and we worship you yet in song and praise, 
We pray that this Christmas season will be very special for each individual. Keep us, Lord, from just simply getting caught up in all of the rush or the control or the nervousness of what's going on at this time. But even in the midst of that, may we experience the reality of the light of God shining into us deeply, Lord, into our hearts, into our lives. Change us, our families, our situation, and our community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.